Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hi, this is Alex Grodnick, and you're listening to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Before we get going today, just a quick reminder that Wall Street Oasis has an incredible resource in their guides that they've put together. Whether it's banking, private equity, hedge funds, or consulting, these guides will have you covered on everything you need to know to get the job. Okay, that's it for me, Gene Rubio. Let's get going. Been anxiously awaiting having you on the podcast. Happy to have you here. Thanks so much for talking with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's um, you know, it's a little bit difficult to uh, to coordinate schedules, but um, but I definitely found some time and um, happy to help anyway I can. Yeah. So. You're in Houston. Um, you just had the World Series in your town. You had kind of a big um, hurricane. So, yeah, that stuff's been interfering with us, but hurricane's over and your team won the World Series and my team lost. So happy that we can be doing this now. Yeah, I tell you what, um, 2005, I was, uh, I was in college, and I, um, I didn't go to one game. You know, I was a pretty... Um, pretty typical college student, you know, working kind of odd and in jobs. Um, so I watched it all on TV and uh, I kind of told myself, you know, if it, if it ever happens again, um, I'm not going to miss it. Um, so this, this postseason was uh, actually the first year me and a couple of friends bought season tickets and um, little did we know they, they made, they had the best record in, in the AL for most of the year. They, uh, they got into the playoffs. Um, definitely was dicey. Those a couple games went game seven and, um, you know, I thought game uh, game one against Boston was the best Astros game I've ever seen. And then game seven, the LCS against the Yankees was the best game I've ever seen. And then, you know, game five, um, you know, that, that game was just back and forth and it was just unreal. Um, I, I didn't have the opportunity to go game six or seven in L.A., but I uh, was watching, you know, here in Houston with some friends. And um, after the hurricane, which was just definitely crushed the city. You know, um, you know, even some of my personal family, you know, my, my mother lost, lost everything. Um, 40 miles west, I have a cousin that, that you know, lost a lot. Um, I was back in the middle of the city and, you know, I, I lost my electricity and, and my power for, for a couple of days. So it definitely, um, you know, people rich and poor, east, south, you know, north and west, um, everybody kind of got affected in, in some capacity. Um, it was tough. It, it was a tough time for the city. Um, it was great to see kind of the, the Astros kind of win win kind of um, for the city, but um, but a great year overall. Um, even even with the catastrophes that that we had, you know, the city really pulled together um, from you know the, the the mayor all the way to the average citizen. I mean, there was people that 
random individuals that were, you know, saving others or, or somebody had a boat or somebody had a truck and, um, and, and it was nuts. I mean, it was as simple as, you know, me turning on the TV and, you know, I saw some friends from high school, you know, rescuing people and they were total strangers. So everybody definitely um, pulled together and, um, you know, um, you know, we'll be all right. I mean, Houston will, will rebuild. Yeah, that's great to hear. And the Astros winning is a little solace for the city. So you're right. That is, that is nice. As much as I do like the Dodgers, it's good for Houston. Sure. So let Gene, let's just get into it. Tell us, you know, your background, what you do now, how you got to where you are. Yeah, no, um, I don't, I don't know how typical a story it is now, but, um, you know, I, I grew up in Houston. Um, my family, uh, my father was in, the, was in the military, so I lived in, in Southern California um, for a few years when I was a kid. But, you know, grew up in Houston, um, athlete, um, first person in my family to go to college. I, um, you know, had a professor that was very impactful um, and, and, and really in one thing. And he said, look, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of you students believe that you graduate and you get a job. He's like, you know, it starts, it starts now. It starts immediately. You know, you need to, um, you need to get an internship and you, and you need to do this and you need to do that. You need to, you know, have a high GPA. You need to do all these things. And um, I kind of took it to heart and, and I, I pulled him aside and I asked him for some advice and he kind of put me in contact with a couple of people and, um, and I was able to get a, you know, a non-paid internship my, uh, my freshman summer. Um, like, like, like many students, you know, it was, it was for college credit for a wealth management firm. And I, I quickly realized that, you know, this is not what I wanted to do, but I, I used the time to kind of network and, and, and work my way around, uh, the bank. It was a, um, it was an investment bank that was, um, based in Houston, but they had a lot of their functions here. I mean, they, they had their, their sales and trading on the commodity side was here. Their, um, their natural resource investment banking was here. Their wealth management was here. And they also had a, a credit function that was here. So, um, trading was in a different building, but everything else was, was under the, the same building, just several floors away from each other. So I sort of used, um, the time to kind of meet and talk to other people in other departments. And, um, you know, some of them were more interesting, some of them weren't, but I leveraged that into an opportunity, um, my second summer, uh, into my third summer, which turned into my, my first opportunity. Um, with that being said, as soon as I started my career, uh, in investment management at a, at a big fiduciary, um, firm, um, in Chicago, I, uh, I met a girl, um, fell in love and, you know, um, was in Houston. So I wanted to find something that was, um, that was more grounded, that was more centralized in Houston. Um, and at the time, you know, we're talking 2005, 2006, you know, the, the three hottest, you know, industries in Houston at that moment were, um, were medical, uh, education and, uh, and energy. So, you know, um, I didn't want to be an educator. I didn't know much about um, medicine. I mean, I took biology and chemistry in college. So uh, energy, you know, specifically energy trading was, um, was sort of the most uh, glaring kind of opportunity. You know, keep in mind, um, you know, Enron Dynegy had, had big turmoil, you know, went bankrupt or got drastically restructured um, 2001. Dynegy kind of did the same 2002, 2003. Uh, however, natural gas was trading 10 plus dollars. So the, um, the abundance of opportunity in, in 05 to 07 was, was massive, especially for a college student or somebody who's fresh out of an MBA program. So um, every financial institution was hiring. Um, so I got an opportunity and it was a, um, it was a rotational program, sort of a mid back office type, type deal. Um, I took it and um, immediately um, 
once I got started, I, I started working, you know, working the rounds, trying to meet people. You know, I was, I was in a mid uh, back office role, but, you know, I wanted to meet as many people that were running the mid office, as many people that were running the front office and being um, the commodities desk, which was in Houston, everybody was here. I mean, I had access to to the head of trading all the way down to, you know, um, the very, the very, very, you know, most, most functions that nobody wanted to talk to, you know, confirm settlements, things like that. So uh, it turned out to be a great opportunity for me. It, it was a foot in the door. Uh, I worked really hard and, um, and I found opportunities um, both internally and, and externally. That's great. And so what do you attribute finding those next opportunities? Is it how much of it is just hard work? And then how much of it, of it is you networking and talking to every single person that you can get your hands on? You know, I, I'll tell you what, I, um, I, I was pretty bad at, at accounting. Um, I actually was on, um, was on a, a growth strategy, a growth plan. Cause, cause I was so, I was so poor at it. I, I was not very good at accounting. I, I was not very, um, it was just, it was very slow. It was very, very, in my opinion, just not that exciting. And, uh, and I would find myself in trouble, you know, I would, you know, surf in the net, you know, just kind of, kind of messing around. So, um, you know, my, my boss, you know, kind of suggested, he was like, look, you know, maybe you should meet some of the traders, meet some of the schedulers, meet some of the operators. Maybe that's more your speed. And, and I did. And, uh, and that kind of turned into my first opportunity, but a big thing that, that I will continue to this day. And, you know, I've, I've now been in the industry now for 11 years, um, that I would continue to tell anybody young or old is, you know, networking with, with, with the people running the show are, are very, very important. It's, it's very, very critical. Um, but networking with your peers is, is just as important because you just don't know what your peers are going to do. You know, um, a lot of the guys when I was, and girls, when I was 23, 20, 22, 23, 24, that were in this, doing the same sort of jobs that I was doing, maybe a little better, a little worse. Um, you know, one of them has started a hedge fund. Uh, another one has, has started a, you know, a, an IT energy trading IT platform and sold it. Um, some have gone on to do some very, very cool entrepreneurial pursuits. Um, a couple of them are running, you know, running the show at some very, very legitimate big firms, you know, in our industry, in, in commodities. So you never just know what your peers are going to do. I mean, uh, including myself, you know, I, I ended up leaving, um, trading, uh, in 2012, I started a consulting firm. I sold a piece of it ended up selling the rest of it. And I now work for the company that, that basically backed me. So you just never know like what your peers are going to do. And, and it's so hard to, to, to look at the trajectory. I think we, I think early professionals do a great job looking at trajectory one to three years out. Um, it's very hard to look at the trajectory five years out or 10 years out or 15 years out. Um, because if you would have asked me, you know, if I would have been in the position that I was, you know, year three, year five, you know, year seven, year 10, I would say absolutely not. But opportunities present themselves. And, you know, if you work hard, you're willing to take a little bit of risk. And you're very, very clear that you don't know everything. And there is always something you can learn. I, I think there's a ton of opportunity out there. It's just, you know, one, you got to find it. And two, you got to be willing to take the risk. You know, um, you know, I was at, uh, at Bear Energy, which became JP Morgan. Um, I turned down an opportunity at Goldman Sachs, who was exploring the idea of starting a desk in Houston, and ended up going to Lehman Brothers. Um, Lehman Brothers went bankrupt before I got my first paycheck, and they sold their group to a French utility. 2008, I had, I think, W-2s from five different firms, but I made the most strides professionally that year. You know, I made the most strides uh, 
you know, as far as like going from one row to the next row, to the next row, to the next row, you know, everybody always talks about, you know, volatility and opportunity when, when things are going well and things are going up, um, when things are going down or when things are, are, are in crisis, there's just as much opportunity. And that's what I found as, as people were jumping off the ship and, and taking jobs at some of the big integrated or some of the more, um, solid, you know, established banks, I was continuing to promote up, you know, in one of the more volatile environments simply because I didn't really know any better. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to stay here and stick it out and see what happens. And I was a young kid. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of debt. I didn't have a, you know, a mortgage or family or things like that. And it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. So you don't see that when it's going on, but looking back now, um, it was, it was kind of the best thing that could happen. Right. So let's get to the, to the current part of the story. So you figured out that trading was kind of more your speed you started doing it just before the crisis, through the crisis, doing really well, uh, and then, and then what? Well, well, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say really well. I, I, I would tell everybody this. I was a, um, I was a, you know, um, a good bench player. You know, I, I, I wasn't the worst guy on the team, but I wasn't the rock star either. And, and you start to see that, and you start to say, you know. Um, am I going to be the guy that that you know a company is going to tap to start a desk? Am I going to be the guy that you know raises twenty five million dollars and starts a fund, you know, and and the capacity to scale, or am I the guy that's just going to kind of manage an asset for the next twenty years? You kind of figure out where you're at, and I was like, you know, I'm not really in any of those, and you know, I started a a small nonprofit, the Energy Rodeo, and I was doing some stuff with kids, and I was you know meeting just a lot of people in HR functions and things like that, and and I was just ready to take my career in a different direction. Um, with that, you know, it was also a time where you know, natural gas was sub four dollars. You know, um, it was a tough it was a tough time in the market to to make money um, on an individual level and on a corporate level. A lot of the companies just simply weren't doing that great. Um, Don Frank was coming to effect. Um, we didn't quite know, you know, how that was going to play out uh, in our industry, even though they started talking about it 2012, 2013. So there was a lot of a lot of things that were changing, and I was getting I was ready to kind of try and do something different. You know, I had um, through my networking, I had met a couple of professionals that were more senior than me. They kind of gave me some advice. They kind of told me some ideas. One of them was really critical in um, kind of putting a couple of ideas in front of me, um, kind of became a bit of a mentor. And I have never kind of shied away from risk. I, I've been probably one of the biggest um, risk takers professionally that I know of in my circle of friends. So I hopped on it. And, and at worst, you know, I thought um, at worst, I'll take the GMAT. I'll go to business school. I'll rebrand myself. But until then, maybe I can get my own education uh, working on something new. And um, and that's kind of the way it went. First year, um, so I basically started a consulting firm that uh, like a human a human um, capital consulting firm that we did recruiting, we did compensation analysis, we did uh, market intelligence. You know, what is A doing? What is B doing? What are some new markets? And uh, and slowly it got me in front of people that I couldn't get in front of. Um, in my prior role. So it slowly grew and my Rolodex grew and opportunities grew. And, um, you know, maybe the first nine months, I think I made the right, wrong decision. Um, two years later, best decision I ever made, you know, now six years later, you know, I'm the happiest guy in the world, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. When you can look back to that moment when you said, should I stay here? Is this for me? Am I going to jump off, take a risk, make no money for a little while. You know, thinking about that, 
is tough, but I love how you said, do I see myself here long-term? Am I going to be the guy who's raising a fund or managing a desk? If the answer is no, then, you know, what are you doing? You should take a risk, do another job, do something else, reinvest in yourself, go to, back to school, something like that. Yeah, you know, I, I think you have to look in the mirror. You have to look in the mirror and, and, and you have to be honest with yourself, you know. Um, and I, I had some coworkers and I had some colleagues that were, they were just, you know, they wanted to get a good track record. They wanted to go out and try to raise some money. And that's the only thing they could think about. They, they were waking up every day thinking about that. Um, I was waking up every day just thinking about other stuff. And, and, you know, and I never wanted to be the guy that just took a paycheck. Um, even though it was a nice paycheck, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to do something different. I'm ready to give some opportunity and, and see what happens. And, uh, and it was great. And you know what, I was, uh, I was 28, 27, 28 years old when I did that. Um, in my opinion, a couple years earlier, I'm probably too, too young, a couple years older, maybe I have a little bit more responsibilities and, you know, it doesn't work out. So I think for me, the timing was the timing worked out. Um, I had a couple people that were really behind me. Um, some supported me, some didn't as far as like, uh, professionally, um, you know, some customers that I thought were going to be our first clients were not some that I thought were long shots turned out to be our first customers. And, uh, and it was a great education. And, um, you know, it was something that I felt that if I woke up every day and I, and I, and I worked hard that, um, that good things will come and they did, and, and they didn't quite come the way that you think they would come. They didn't come in like, you know, quick sales. They didn't come in quick revenue. They didn't come like that, but slowly, you know, you amass a circle of people that are, that are, you know, not only going to support you professionally, but also give you advice on, Hey, this is something that, you know, we see, or this is kind of a direction that we go. Uh, my business plan was maybe 14 pages. Um, 10 of them were tore out, uh, within the first month. And, you know, I thought I was going to have five business lines. 30 days later, I had one and that's still our bread and butter. Yeah. So, so what is the bread and butter? Uh, it's market intelligence, market intelligence. It's a uh, market intelligence. Um, you know, asking the same question 50 times, um, you getting 50 different answers and you start to shape your opinion of the market. You know, you start to shape your opinion of, of what X, Y, and Z views on gasoline, dislit, fuel oil, natural gas, ags, metals. Um, you know, my, uh, my business partner, um, were they were the managing partners of a, um, of a holding company that owned commodity brokerage firms. And we slowly discovered um, that where I was seeing the market from a personnel standpoint is where they should see the market from a growth standpoint. So as I had customers that were growing in, in metals or commodity index, they felt that their debts should be growing in those markets as well um, as, you know, ethanol or gasoline or dislit or fuel or, uh, or electricity or FTRs, uh, which is a, um, a subset of power as those markets, you know, shrank or grew, they felt that their growth should mirror that. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm in Houston, so my kind of expertise is very North American focused, but collectively, you know, one partner was, was, um, was focused on the UK and, and the Far East. One partner was focused on the US. I kind of helped out on the US as well. And, you, you know, a, literally a weekly roundtable meeting, you know, we would put all these ideas together and, and they flourished and they grew. You know, um, you know, I, I've been kind of a part of some startups, you know, growing their desk, a couple of hedge funds, you know, helping their desk in addition to, you know, just a generic, um, you know, Glencore loses a gasoline trader, they need a backfill, you know, or, you know, um, 
a utility company has a rock star and they're like, Hey, how do we compensate this guy to keep him? So um, I became kind of a, a source of information and we found a way that I could monetize that and, and make a living doing it. That's really cool. And you mentioned you had a partner when, when did you pick him up? Um, 2012, 2013. Um, and they, you know, they were instrumental from the fact of, um, they probably saw the the potential in me before I saw it myself, you know? Um, and, um, you know, it's actually, it's actually two partners and, uh, great guys. They're the co-CEOs of, um, of the holding company that, that, uh, that backed me. And, um, they've continued to invest in me and believe in me. And, um, and we've done some pretty cool stuff together over the years. Yeah. You know, we talk, talk about the value of a partnership and, you know, different skill sets, different ideas, marrying all that together. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to find mentors, you got to find mentors around the way and, um, and you got to be open to, um, you got to be open to, to, to the nuggets of information and how they provide it. Um, some of it's going to be very direct. Some of it's going to be tough love. Some of it is going to be, you know, in a, in a weird riddle or saying that you maybe don't understand at the time, but you have to find those, you have to find those mentors, um, you know, in your career, because, um, I had a great mentor, um, at my second job at, at the, at the utility. And, um, and it was someone that when I told him what I was, I was thinking about doing, he literally advised me and he was like, look, I'm not upset that I'm losing you. I'm actually excited for you and I'm happy for you and we'll support you any way we can. Um, I had managers prior to that, that would have maybe been upset and they would have took it you know, personal and they would have done everything they could to, to kind of follow my plans. So when you find good mentors, um, cherish them, ask them questions, you know, um, because it could be really, really helpful or maybe it's something that they explored or done in the past that you simply just don't know about. Right. And, and uh, something you mentioned earlier about having an open mind and being receptive to their advice. I mean, I think that's something that takes practice. It's not always easy to hear different points of views that contradict with your own. And, uh, so how do you deal with that? Well, I tell you what, I, uh, I left a trading seat to become, to become basically a recruiter. Um, so, you know, nine, nine out of 10 people are going to tell you you're nuts and you're never going to make any money or you're going to make less money. Um, but you know, I, I can prove the differ. I can say, you know, not, not quite. So, um, you know, I, I still kind of believe that if you're the best at what you're doing, uh, the money would take care of itself in any industry, in any capacity. Some of those industries, the ceilings are much higher, but if you're the best at, at your given field, the, you know, the coin will come, you know, um, obviously you can't, you know, you can't, put somebody that, that runs a, you know, fabrication, you know, business in, in, in Georgia versus somebody that, that runs, you know, a TV studio in LA, obviously those are, those are different ceilings, but if you're very good at what you do and you're the best, the, the compensation would generally follow suit. Yeah. Well, how did you know that you were going to be good at recruiting? I mean, you were, you'd never done anything like that. You were doing trading. I, I didn't, I didn't. I, um, you know, I knew a bunch of people. I, uh, I understood how to trade desk worked. And I felt that my competitive advantage would be that, look, I've spent years on a desk. I understand how a desk works. I understand how different cultures work. We've got friends that work there and I'm going to give it a go. Um, and <laughs> the funny thing about that is um, I wanted to open on April Fool's. I ended up having, I, it was a Sunday, so I opened on April 2nd. And the day that I opened, my, my first um, like person to reach out to was, was one of the most successful hedge funds in the commodity space. And the, the founder retired and closed down a week later. And one of his portfolio managers opened up his own hedge fund two weeks later. 
and basically said, Hey, I need you to help me staff the whole company. And, and, you know, out of their six hires, I think we did like, like, like two to four of them. But, um, but that was literally like my first, you know, I was thrown in the gauntlet and I was like, Oh, I can do this. This is easy. And then, you know, the next couple opportunities, they weren't even traders. They were meteorologists for different companies. So, um, so that was kind of our first, like, you know, 90 days, you know, and, um, it kind of just kind of thrown in there and, and, and you figure it out, you know, um, and slowly, you know, you, you make a name for yourself and you're a little bit naive because, you know, you don't know how all the other structured firms work. You just know the way that you're doing it. And you don't know if that's the right way or the wrong way, but you know, you're carving out your, your name in the industry. Yeah. I think that can be sometimes work to your advantage being the outsider and not encumbered with the way that everybody in the industry operates and you come in and it's shooting from the hip gunslinging and just getting stuff done. I like that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I think kind of the idea of just getting, of just getting things done, getting results, you know, um, is always helpful, you know? Um, but it's, you know, success, I don't, I don't know who said it, but success, you know, it looks like a lot of hard work and, and it generally is, but you know, it is very satisfying and, um, and and it doesn't have to be at an executive level, you know. Um, you know, if you're you know at a, at a right out of college or you're at a relatively junior level, and 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 you want to promote up or you know move move on to new opportunities, the best thing you can do for yourself is work hard, because um, you know your peers or your managers, you know, they're generally going to be your biggest ally when you're when you're trying to move on to do other things. You know, if you're if you're a you know kind of a subpar employee, your manager is not going to speak well about you to his colleagues, or if you want to move to another group. You know, so working hard, taking care of what you need to take care of and just keeping in mind that, you know, you're, you have a long career, you know, you, you can stick out two or three years, you know, even if it's doing something that you don't think is very desirable. Yeah, no, you just, you just got to understand that everybody starts somewhere. And, um, you know, if you work hard and, um, you know, you kind of, kind of envision kind of the route you want to go. Something that I also think is super helpful is, you know, you got to let the people know around you that what you're trying to do. You know, um, nobody would have ever known that I wanted to be a trader if I wouldn't have told someone, you know, um, it, I think a lot of people think that if they just work hard and they keep their head down that, that, you know, their managers are just going to know what they want to do with their lives. If you don't, if you're, if you're not vocal and you don't tell people what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish, you're you're simply just not going to get there. Um, now you don't need a weekly reminder, but, um, but I think having, you know, those, those candid discussions, you know, with your peers and your managers, and let them know kind of, you know, where you're trying to get, you know, where you're trying to go with your career uh, could only be helpful, you know, and if it's not something that could happen internally, well, then you can look internally, externally as well. And and I don't think there should be any shame in, um, in doing that. I think some people feel that they have to be loyal and, and they have to do this and they have to do that. But, you know, if, if you're putting the time in and, and the opportunity simply isn't there, um, it would be wise to kind of look, you know, look around. Right. If you're all that's kind of dependent on you being good at your job if you suck then no one's no one's gonna care if if you suck you know the 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 big system is gonna push you out anyway you know and 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 i and i hate to put it that way but that's just the truth you know if, if you're poor at your job um the mechanisms of a company are, are gonna push you out or they're going to 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 stop your stop your growth and stop your opportunities you know um and that's that kind of goes back to like what i said looking you know looking in the mirror you know, if, if, um, if you're cool with that and, and, and you want to be a lifer at whatever it is that you're doing, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's, you know, that's, that, that's a good gig, but 
if you're trying to do more, um, you know, you got to kind of reevaluate, you know, what you're doing wrong or what can you change and, you know, how can you apply it to either that opportunity or the next one? Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And in, in your career, it's, you've had good success, but I mean, it's a lot of it's been being honest with yourself, what you're good at, what you're not good at and taking advice from those people around you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, um, uh, of, of trying, of attempting things. And, um, and, you know, I always feel that if you're not regularly failing at things, you're just simply not trying enough or trying enough new things, you know, now I'm not saying go, you know, max out your credit cards and, and, you know, kind of some sort of pipe dream. But if you're not trying to continue to, to grow, you know, grow your network, grow your career, um, grow the opportunities that are coming towards you, um, you, you got, you got to try, you, you just have to try. And it's crazy how it works, but you can hustle into opportunities. And I never believed that. I always thought that every job went to the best candidate and this and that. And that's just not, the world just doesn't work that way. Uh, you can hustle into opportunities. You can will your way to success um, within reason, but there's a lot that you can do by, by working hard and keeping an open mind and, um, and casting a wide net. Yeah, I really like that. And I think that's been a great um, avenue that you've pursued in your career. So let's wrap this up about, you know, that was a great piece of advice. If there's anything else, if you want to tell people what you, the best part of your job today is, why you're excited to get up every day, and then let's uh, let you get on your airplane and go. You know, I, um, I, I have a career that, that, that is all about people, you know, which, um, wh- which I love, you know, I, um, I, I work, um, I focus now mostly on gasoline and dislet, um, which is a little bit of a new space for me, but, um, but I, I work with people every day and, uh, and, and that's something that I've always wanted to do. I mean, and not just, you know, I want to help people solve problems. I want to help people do this or that. Like I want to work with people. You know, I want, I want to, I want to work on projects. I want to work with people and I want to work with them at a high level. You know, um, I didn't want to be sending, you know, emails back and forth all day or kind of like sitting in meetings and all that. So, you know, I still love sitting on a desk, talking to people, you know, doing the happy hour, doing the golf, doing the, the social outings. And, um, and that's really become a part of my life. And it's become something that, that I, uh, I believe that I've had success in, but I've also believed that, it's just being true to yourself and, and kind of coming to terms with who you are and what you want out of your career and what you want out of your personal life, you know? And, um, and don't think that it comes to you, you know, don't think that it's going to come to you, you know, overnight or, you know, um, just kind of, you just walk in one day and it just slaps you in the face. You know, your career just doesn't quite work that way. But one of the things that I will say that set up a lot of the, a lot of success that I had later on in my career was, you know, I started a brand shop, I worked hard. I moved around. I had some pedigree on my resume and that set up the opportunities that I had later on in my career. Um, So to sum it all up, you know, work hard in school, try to get the best pedigree you can right out of college, you know, and figure it out as things happen, but just keep an open mind. You just never know what's going to happen or what opportunities are going to come towards you. And as volatility comes in, you know, in your industry, don't shy away from it. You know, it's, it's very easy to get, to, to get, you know, upwardly mobile when your company is growing, there's just as much opportunity when your company, you know, could be, you know, in turmoil or could be going through restructuring or things like that, 
you know, um, and, you know, I'm very, very accessible um, on the site. Reach out to me if you have any other questions, LinkedIn, however you like, but uh, I always find a time to, uh, to take an email or a phone call. Cool. Gene, that's great. This was a great story. I loved hearing it. Great message for everyone out there trying to figure out what's right for them. So thanks for talking with us. Yeah, man. Happy to help and uh, have a good one. All right. You too. Bye-bye. I'm Alex Grodnick and thank you for listening today. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. Feel free to send me a note, alex at wallstreetoasis.com and check out the career guides on the website. Thanks.